Welcome back to our podcast on imperialism in New Zealand, hosted by Maddie Moore, Marshall Chung, Priscilla Ng, and Violet Woolman. Before we continue, we would like to thank our sponsor, Wolves of New Zealand. Wolves of New Zealand is owned by the farmers, who are committed to growing the best wool in the world. Wolves of New Zealand proudly champion sustainable methods in their farming to leave a positive legacy for future generations. They produce wool, and leading brands around the world use it in their products. If you would like to know more about Wolves of New Zealand, go to www.woolsnz.com. That's www.woolsnz.com. The first settlers of New Zealand were called the Maori. They were Polynesians who traveled to New Zealand in a planned migration. According to the Maori, the first person to reach New Zealand got there over 1,000 years ago was a man named Kupe, the great explorer. He was followed by many in the following 100 years. The Maori were also expert hunter-gatherers and growers. They were able to create fishing hooks out of bone, and fishing nets out of flax, and wove baskets to carry the things they gathered. However, the Maori were also experts at cultivating crops. They grew many things, including sweet potatoes and other vegetables. The Maori are fairly peaceful due to their isolated location. They did have ways of defending themselves, such as a pa. A pa was essentially a village fortified with stockades and trenches protect the inhabitants of said village. Though the Maori had quite strong defenses, the wooden stockades and bone weapons were not enough to defend against European bombs, cannons, and other weapons, such as the Maxim gun, which was created in later years of the occupation of New Zealand. Next up, we'll talk about during the imperialism. The imperialism of New Zealand all started when a British sea captain, James Cook, claimed New Zealand in 1769. New Zealand was settled very slowly because the British did not claim ownership over the small island. The settlers came to the island by their own free will, unlike the neighboring island Australia. Australia's settlers were brought forcefully as it was a prison, while New Zealand settlers were free. The first settlers were very peaceful with the Maoris, but as more foreigners came, conflict started to erupt. After New Zealand was annexed by Britain in 1838, a treaty was signed that said the Maoris would receive land rights if they accepted British rule. Many colonies started to pop up all over the island, like Auckland and Wellington in the 1840s. Then, New Zealand decided they wanted to be self-governing, but stay in the British Empire. So by the 1850s, the island governed, self-governed with a parliament government. Throughout 1845 to 1872, there were many wars fought between the settlers and the Maoris. The Maoris fought to keep control of their land while they were slowly being pushed out. The British won by outgunning them, and the Maoris were also killed in mass numbers by European diseases that they were not used to. 
We have seen this happen in many cases where new diseases wipe out thousands, like the Native Americans. After Britain had won, the Maoris were forced to a remote, remote part of the island. There were many changes and impacts of imperialism. One of these changes was missionary groups tried to convert the Maoris into Christians. One of the biggest impacts you can still see today is the wool ind industry. New Zealand didn't have sheep until the early 1800s, when John MacArthur brought sheep over only to find sheep thrived there due to the warm, dry climate. Colonists then started producing wool and exporting it. Even now, New Zealand has tons of sheep wherever you go. Hi, I am Priscilla, and I'm going to discuss the end of colonial rule in New Zealand. The Europeans never left New Zealand. In fact, they are still there today. They make up over 16.5% of the population, which is about 776,000 people of Maori descendant as of 2018, and that actually makes them the second largest ethnic population group. The Maori population was reduced by diseases and outgunned by British weapons. They signed the Treaty of Watangi. The treaty is an agreement signed by representatives of the Queen of England and leaders of most Maori tribes when Britain first claimed New Zealand as a colony in 1840. They had to fight in multiple wars between 1845 and 1872 to keep their land. Power was opposed on the ground despite the signing of the Treaty of Watangi, and Maori, be and Maori became less willing to sell land to the Europeans because of rapid population growth. Some Maori died defending their land. Other Maori were allied, allied with the colonists sometimes to settle old scores. Thousands of people killed during the, during the New Zealand Wars were Maori, and many other survivors' land were taken were afterward taken. The Europeans pushed them out into a remote part of the country. It was more of a violent trans transition since many people died in the New Zealand wars. European settlement in New Zealand slowly grew because the British didn't declare ownership of New Zealand like Australia. Convicts, convicts escaped from New Australia in 1814 in missionary groups. They arrived from Australia trying to convert the Maori to Christianity. More foreigners arrived, which caused the Maori and European settlers to have more conflict over land. After signing the treaty in 1840, the Maori had to accept British rule for recognition of their land rights. Here is Violet to talk about the legacy that imperialism has left in New Zealand. In terms of the legacy of New Zealand, imperialism definitely affected how it is today. Because of the imperialization by the British, New Zealand went from a small island to a flourishing economic trade system. When the British came over, the idea of government was installed. The Maori people wanted to have a system that protected one another. Because the British went by the idea of parliament as their government, the Maori went by it as well. After they started to create a system of law and became more civilized, New Zealand started to participate in trade with other countries. Eventually, it started to grow more and more until it became what it is today. The country now thrives with a stable government system, economic wealth, and good education.
listening to our podcast.